That's a big show here. Big loaded Taz Hall uh, coming at you full throttle. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. A lot of great questions from you people. So that's how this goes. We've got an AEW React, AEW Dynamite. It's going to debut this Wednesday night. Going to do a React at on Thursday. Straight right at you. Done the right way. No bullshit. So that's what's going to happen on that. Okay, but in this episode, we're going to just do Taz Hall, where I open it up to you people. All right, to ask questions. I'm Taz. Welcome to the Taz Show. Yeah, it's going to be great, epic. Thanks for downloading the show at radio.com on the website or the app. That's much appreciated. Maybe you're downloading it on Spotify or iTunes or uh, or uh, Stitcher. Uh, as far as Google Podcasts, I have no idea what's going on. I'm looking into it with Crying Brian, the esteemed producer of the Taz Show. So there's been a lot of chatter about what's going on with Google Podcasts. I thought that everything was up to date and everything was cool. So if you can hear me, that means you're hearing on Google Podcasts. If you're a Google Android Jones, I don't know what your deal is unless someone taped it and sent you an MP3 or you're just uh, something. I don't know what your story is. I, I don't know where people listen. So we're looking into the Google Podcast uh, platform or whatever the fuck it's called. So like I said, it's going to be great. Okay, It's going to be a great episode. I'm going to go right out of here in a second because there's a lot of things I want to discuss. And one of those things is about managers in pro wrestling. And then my esteemed team said to me, hey, listen, Jobber, okay, there is a question by one of these people about managers in the business because I want to bring something up that I saw. So I got a little, that's a little teaser for you. That's how I do it here on the Taz Show, a little teaser. Okay, three, two, three, two, one, one, two, three, here we go. Individuals, it is I, Boami, and welcome to the Taz Hall. Let your voices be heard. Ah, uh, yes, that's the great Boami. Uh, we're still working on a new open. That's newer, and I'm going to fire him too. As you know, I talked to Pete, uh, the body, about firing uh, Boami. So we're working on that. All right, so I'm going to get to that managerial question shortly here. Uh, so, again, these questions are submitted at Taz Talk, T-A-Z-T-L-K. That's my Instagram. That's Taz Talk. And someone, by the way, someone put up there a question, said, is there a way you could listen to this shit? They go, is there a way, this is not a Taz Talk question. This is just a question before the fucking questions. So, humor me, okay? Bitches, it's real simple. So, someone says to me, hey, Taz, uh, can, you, uh, can you maybe, like, give a one-hour heads up before you ask people to fucking ask questions on your Instagram? Like some question like that. I mean, I really paraphrased the hell out of his question. So the short answer is no. The long answer is no. Okay? No. No. The way it works, you can turn on notifications on your uh, gimmick. I've just got verification. If you heard that sound, the verification is in. Google Podcast, yes. Google Play Podcast, no. Okay, I have no idea what the difference is. Uh, it will be added there. It will be added there. This is happening while we speak in real time. Uh, yes, 
please add it, add it there, you fucking jobber. Uh, that's how we do it here. That's how I work with people I work with. So uh, Brian, crying Brian, sent me a message from the people, the tech people, the IT people. It says, basically, Google Podcast, the Taz show is on. Google Play Podcast, no. Okay, no. And then apparently the IT team can add it there. I said, please add it there. Please. Or I will fire them too. I fucking fire everybody. Back to this other guy who pissed me off. Uh, one of the uh, followers on the Instagram. So look, what you can do is you turn your notifications on. I think there's a way. It's like on Twitter. You follow somebody on Instagram, turn the fucking notifications on. So when we put out a gimmick, it's like, here we go, Taz will fire away, something like that. You're in a loop. You're in a loop. You don't have to look at your phone. You're in a loop. I, listen, listen. I'm pretty sure you can turn notifications on Instagram. I might be wrong about that. If I'm wrong, then you got to fucking stare at your phone. And you got to wait for, for, because all these other people, we put the question out there. Hey, here we go, Taz all, motherfuckers. And everybody goes crazy. There's a plethora of questions. They don't make they don't all make it through the rain either. They don't all make it through the rain. You know how this works, people. Fight up today. Blah Blake J. Meeks. What rating do you think SmackDown on Fox will do on Friday? By the way, side up before I answer Blake J. Meeks' question. I'm gonna tell you this right now. There is a sponsor that's part of this show now, the Taz Show, that I'm going to read, uh, and I'm going to give you an offer, a deal, that it's going to be funny. Now, you guys that are experts on listening to podcasts, you know, there's a lot of advertising and a lot of different podcasts. I try not to beat you over the head with advertising, but, you know, it's that's how these podcasts stay free. You support the sponsors. That's the business. Well, this sponsor is great, and I got a great deal for you, and wait until you hear it. Oh, you'll know. You'll know. You'll fucking know, Okay. Blake, your question one more time. Say it again. Oh, yeah, sure, Taz. Uh, what rating do you think SmackDown on Fox <coughs> will do on Friday? <coughs> I think they'll do a pretty good rating, and the reason is I'll try to give you a number in a second as I'm thinking. They've been really promoting the shit out of it throughout all of the Fox platforms on all their big penetrated uh, you know, programming, namely the NFL. So, I mean, you're watching NFL games, uh, you know, on I have um, – I have the NFL package, so I get the CBS games and I get the Fox games on Sunday, right? So I get all of them. So I'm Flip Jones. I'm all over the fucking place watching all the games. And, uh, of course, I'm locked into my Buffalo Bills. But anyway, so the Fox gimmick, they, they're doing full throttle promotion for SmackDown. I mean, big time. That's There's millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people that watch that, along with specials left and right i saw especially did i think it was on friday or saturday i think it was friday with miz and uh charlotte hosting it you know on camera jones uh green screen gimmick behind them the whole thing and i just put a fancy background i know the routine please i'll pull back the curtain for you then they did some other special on fox on sunday afternoon um there's just tons of promotion they're, they're really doing a good job and on all their social media platforms fox is promoting it so i got a funny feeling the ratings gonna be pretty good uh because you're getting a lot of um a lot of eyes on on the promotion that it's Friday Night SmackDown. I don't know. I'm bad with ratings. I'm bad with numbers. But I I would say, you know, it's going to be more than like NXT had a million or whatever it was, or ha- been having a million. I said the past couple. I should say the past couple of weeks. It's it's probably. I would think it would be close to two million people, if not more. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with Friday nights, kids. Okay, because I was okay. This show that they're doing on Fox. It's called Friday Night SmackDown. Well, there's a news bulletin. 
It used to be called Friday Night Smackdown, and I was a color commentator on it. <laughs> Same name. And I think it was either on UPN then or, or something. I can't remember what channel, my gimmick, whatever, my network channel, whatever the hell it was called. Here's the thing, man. Okay, the reason why they got to rebrand it and rename it Friday, you know, instead of SmackDown Live, you know, Friday Night SmackDown, it's to educate the audience or the original fans that watched it back in the day that it, the show's on Friday night. Listen, Friday night is one of the tougher nights to have any kind of TV programming on, original programming, Friday and Saturday nights. Why? I'll tell you why. It's because people aren't home. People go out. People go to dinner. People go to the movies. People go out partying. People go out fucking getting bombed. People do People do shit on Friday night. People are out. They're out. Yeah, they can TiVo it. Yeah, I know they can TiVo it. I understand they can TiVo it. I understand they can tape it. I know. I'm, I'm past the VHS stage. I know that. But you want to get that live, live Jones. You want that live number. So I do think they're going to have an ambitious task trying to get people to watch the show on Friday nights because Friday night uh, history shows is a tough night to get ratings for anything, not just wrestling. People go out on Friday night. People are busy. It's the end of the work week. People work all week. They want to let their hair down on Friday night. You maybe want to go out and cut a rug, go dance and do the huckabuck. Maybe you want to go to dinner with your friends, your family, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your fiance, whatever the hell floats your boat. But okay, but the thing is, you're not sitting around at home Friday night watching wrestling. Okay, so you know that that could be the problem. That could be a problem for them there. So that's why they're doing good promotion with Fox, and they should. They should do good promotion, but they've been doing a good job. It's so. I don't know, I would assume a couple million people. I don't think more than two million. But again, like I said, I'm bad with numbers. I, I could be way off on that. Uh, we'll see what they do. Anyway, who else we got? Uh, Danny Tazo, uh, what's popping, Taz? Uh, have people treated you bad early in your life just to act nice once you become famous later in life? Hashtag best pot out. Well, thank you, Danny. Well, listen, as far as people treating you bad, I mean... I, I don't know what you mean is like when you're talking about early in life, maybe you mean like early, maybe you mean like early, uh, early in my wrestling career. If that's the case. Yeah, I've had that. So let's just pretend you're talking about that. Um, I've had people just like try to just not really not not too respectful when I'm a, I was on the come up because no one expected me to do that well because I was under undersized guy, a shorter wrestler and. You know, I was kind of a, you know, at times it was an abrasive attitude <laughs> and a tad confrontational. So, you know, I wasn't uh, ass kissing Jones. You know, that wasn't my gimmick. You know, back back then, I don't know how it is now, but that's how everybody was. Everybody's, everybody's kissing everybody's ass. Uh, I wasn't a douche, but I was all business. And, and, and that rubs people the wrong way. When you're, you don't do the small talk thing, you don't do all that shit. Like sometimes that pisses people off. I'm not a big, I'm not big into the small talk. I'm not big at the, how was your weekend? How was your weekend, Bob? Hey, Sally, how was your, oh, hey, happy Friday. You know, I go crazy on the happy Friday. I hate all that. It's all bullshit. Okay, so I don't want, I look, I want people to all have great lives and great weekends and great days and great nights, but I don't have to tell you have a great weekend. Safe travels. Shut the fuck up. Really? I don't care about safe travels. I don't care for you to tell me safe travels. Just hope that my travels don't go negatively and I, I smash into a fucking tree. Yeah, with my truck. And that's fine. Just don't wish bad luck on me. But I don't need the insincere fucking statement. Safe travels. So as I said, Danny, at times I would be a little bit abrasive early in my life. And uh, yeah, some people did act a little bit like a douchebag to me. And then as it became a little more famous, namely during the, the beginnings of ECW, 
it was a place that everybody wanted to be. And I, I got in there early and started doing well pretty, pretty quick. And then other wrestlers that were on the scene wrestling all these other spots were trying to get an ECW. If they'd see me in the locker room, they're getting a tryout. Next thing you know, these fucking guys are nice guys to me. Oh, no, 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 no. Too late, bro. Fuck off. How's that? I'm not going to bury you, but I'm not going to be a babyface to you. No, no. So, yeah, it does happen because it's called people of two faces. Phony Jones. That's, that's the thing. That's what it is, Danny. I hope you answered your question. Sorry for the outrage. Awesome Aguilar, who, in your opinion, sold the Taz mission the best? Hashtag RTG, hashtag Waterbake Jones. That's a good question. Tough answer, tough to answer, because here's the problem. When I would apply the Taz mission to Kata Hajime, I'm behind my opponent, so I can't see the guy's face. But, um, so I'm going to bet the guys that would sell it better, Sabu, Definitely. Um, Mikey Ripwreck another guy. Just off the top of my head, as far as ECW guys, I, I can't even get into thinking of too many of the WWE guys. But So those two guys off the top of my head. But it's tough. I don't really see. You know, I'm behind you, you know, and I put the hold on you. So um, Shane Douglas, for a heel, was, was sold really well. Um, and, and, you know. Shane did a lot of things the right way, a ton of things the right way in the ring. He knew what he was doing. He sold. He he would sell the choke really well. He sold it very believable, you know, um, which made his the franchise character even stronger. Not just with me, but anybody, anybody he worked with. He just he was real good at at getting the angles over and, and getting himself over, but getting his opponent over. He was very good at that promos and and working your your holes or your high spots. He was very underrated, Shane Douglas. But so I would say the three guys I could think, Van Dam too, Rob, Rob sold the Taz mission real well. Rob, yeah, so athletic in the ring. Um would try, we'd work spots where he's trying to get out of it and I could hang on to it. And he was so flexible and so you know so much core strength. It was easy to do stuff with him like that while he was selling the hole. Like and we could work spots and he'd break out. Whatever, you know, so he, you know tremendous athlete so it helped uh gambino 2004 rd okay fantasy match robbie the viking uh and the lumberjack versus the natural disasters can you book the finish hashtag verify taz at instagram uh hashtag remember the captain hashtag buy hat hashtag rtg all right for anybody that's new to the taz show okay these two jobbers he's speaking of robbie the viking is a former producer of the taz show a large man who is a big Minnesota Viking fan and University of Minnesota fan. And then you have the Lumberjack, uh, Ginger Jones. Okay, he was a big, hairy man. Uh, that was a very good producer on Taz Show and a very self-deprecating, funny person. Another large individual. Uh, typhoon, Earthquake, the original Natural Disasters, would beat the living shit out of these two guys and pin them in about 25 seconds. Okay, there's your fantasy booking. Bison unbranded. Uh, when do yes, take two. When did you know you were having your last match? Was it known ahead of time or after the fact? Okay. Um, how did you prepare to close that door and transition to commentary? Hashtag Brooklyn. Hashtag Taz for HOF. Hashtag bring back Team Taz Dojo. Okay, so. I knew I shit, man. I god dang it. I don't even I can't even tell you. My last match was either 
a house show, this is how bad this is, was either a house show, a big live event at the Meadowlands in New Jersey over there by uh, where the Jets and Giants play. Used to be called the Meadowlands. I don't know whatever the fuck they call it now. So it was there against Booker T on a Friday or Saturday night. Or at a TV taping, we were doing a live TV, and then we were taping something on one of the shows, and it was against The Godfather. It was not Philadelphia. It was not Wilkes-Barre. It was probably Pittsburgh. And um, I want to say it was before a pay-per-view maybe, and it was like a like a jacked or metal ma- match. I think I won the match. I feel like that was – but that just, just goes to show you, I can't even remember when because there was no big send-off for me. And you know what? That's not anyone's real fault except mine. I didn't really ask for a send-off. They didn't offer one. Uh, WWE, they didn't really care. Um, if I would have asked one, I think they would have gave me one. And I knew that was my my door closing uh, to transition to commentary because I, I initially when they came to me about commentary, as I've said many times, I really didn't want to do it. And then once I started training at it and realizing these motherfuckers have no idea how to push me as a wrestler. So I'm wasting my time. I'm also banged up. My body smashed up a little bit. So the best thing for me to do is to basically embrace this this commentary thing because I have a future. I would have a future with this. And listening to my wife, she's like, you know, this is probably the best thing, you know, for us financially and for you to do for your future and your career at your age as you're getting banged up. And she was right. And Vince McMahon felt the same way. And I took his advice. He was right. So once I started doing Sunday Night Heat more and stuff like that, I, I really started to embrace the commentary thing. And I couldn't wait to get out of the ring. I didn't want to wrestle. I wasn't into wrestling. And I was done. I kind of closed that that door before I even had my first. I mean, my last match or my next to last match or whatever, you know, I just wasn't into it. I just didn't, wasn't the same passion. I still worked hard when I was in the ring, but it just wasn't the same for me because, you know, I let them take it out of me, to be honest with you. You know, I was beaten down. I just, you know, it was it. So I knew, hey, listen, they didn't create that human suplex machine, FTW, Taz character. You know, that was done in ECW uh, by me. And with so many talented guys that helped get me over in the ring and Paul Heyman give me the platform and Paul bouncing some stuff off him and I bouncing stuff off each other. And WWE, my commentary, the Taz commentator was invented and created and born in WWE. So I knew they would push that and they did. Hence put me on SmackDown and shit like that and all that stuff. Now they just ignore me. So that's fine. Uh, la, 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 la. Lance underscore star underscore Lord underscore Berg. Uh, do you think WWE is positioning themselves with NXT to truly attract the in, indie demographic away from WWE um, with indie guys like uh, like uh, ACH, that's Jordan Miles, tremendous talent, by the way, uh, Trevor Lee, Cameron Grimes, etc. Uh, did the true did they truly load up in a way to be competitive against AW Target? Market long-winded Jones uh, hashtag. You may need to take a water break. Hashtag. Okay, there's two. There's just too many hashtags. So I'm not reading them all. All right. So here's the thing. Like I don't. I don't. I don't think that's the reason why they did that. In my opinion, they've they've always taken guys that were better talents, guys and girls that were known throughout the independent scenes. I, I don't think it was like a planned thing. In my opinion, towards AEW or nothing like that. I don't. Um, no, seriously, I don't. I, I don't. I just think they're trying to get the best talent they can. They got a deep roster. NXT's got a deep roster. WWE in general, as you guys know, ha- have a, a very deep roster. So it's like, I, I don't think that it's like, well, let's 
let's go after the target audience for AEW. That NXT audience is is very similar to that AEW audience. So it's it, it, you know most people, most of you guys that are maybe into into the independent wrestling, no matter if you live in the United States or the UK or wherever. You know, you guys dig it, and you guys watch wrestling online or go to indie shows and stuff like that. So a lot of these these young guys and girls that are coming to AEW, you guys know. Same thing with the WWE NXT talents that maybe come in from the indie scene, and then they kind of get rebranded with the um, the WWE machine. So I, you know, I don't think that's I don't think they did that. Just my opinion. I I don't I don't think they did that. Oh man, there's a lot of gimmicks in the show. Total gimmick show. This one. This show is. This Taz show, this episode. It's big time gimmicky show. This is whole another level. What a break time. A lot of people are saying, hey, Taz, you know, that last podcast you dropped, little Quickie Jones you dropped, there was no fucking water break in that biatch. I'm like, you're right. How's the feedback doing? It's not feedback. Some of you people tweeted me about the, wa- the whistle on the water. I love it. People are acknowledging the whistle. I don't know. That's going to get over well with the whistle, but we'll see. Um, so what else we got here? So we got, uh, let me get back into another one of these questions here. Oh, we got, uh, oh, we got Papa Karuba. Okay. Good moment, Taz. If you could book Tom Brady in a match, what match would it be and who is the opponent be? Thank you for the free lunch. No hashtags necessary. Well, Papa, um, I'll tell you this. I'd book Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, in a closet match. I would like to go in a closet with him. I'm his opponent. Uh, eight foot by eight foot closet. Well, no, fuck it. Six foot by six foot. Bare knuckle Jones and just fucking fight. Me and him. That's it. Closet match. No audience, no cameras, just a fist fight. I would love to fight him. Yes, because I cannot stand the Patriots. This is well documented. This is not uh, new news for anybody that knows me uh, well enough. You guys know that. So I told you guys, uh, well, it's going to be an advertisement in this thing. That's awesome. So listen, support for the Taz Show comes from Manscaped, who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So guys, let's talk about your sack. Okay. My buddy, Bobby Roggenkog, okay, he loves Manscaped. He loves to Manscaped, I should say. He had a habit, check this out, of trimming his yam bag and said once he sliced the plum sack a few times, like little slices. I said, bro, you got to get Manscaped Lawnmower 2.0. I said, Taz, do tell. I said, well, listen, this is why Manscaped has redesigned their electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has a nice skin-safe technology so the trimmer won't snag your nuts, which sucks. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use that same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls. Okay, that's pretty freaking disgusting, let's be honest. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You don't want to be Stinky Sack Jones. That's never good for your significant other, you know what I'm saying? Or just walking around with shorts on. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Here's the best part, guys. I got a great deal for you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TAZSHOW20. That's T-A-Z-S-H-O-W-20 at manscaped.com. Okay, always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Again, that's 
Go to manscaped.com. Go to Taz Show 20 at manscaped.com. You can't go wrong, Jobbers. You got to love it. No doubt about it. All right. So anyway, we're going to go to break right here. Other side of break, we have a plethora of other questions from you people. I want to talk about pro wrestling managers. Someone has a question, and I'm going to have a tirade about this. Okay, and that's the deal on that. Uh, what else we got? We got a lot of stuff to get into on this as far as the Taz Halls. Uh, talking about wrestling in front of a, a um, you know, a big building in front of like 10, 50,000 people compared to 100 people in a TV studio, like studio-style wrestling. Thoughts on that? Hey, how about that great moment in TNA with Ric Flair with Jay Lethal's impersonated nature boy, Ric Flair. Taz was sitting there, no doubt, doing commentary. People want to talk about that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, oh, would, would, would Taz ever do some kind of a podcast with Conrad? Oh, the king of podcasting, Conrad Thompson. <laughs> Taz Show, sit tight. We'll be right back. All right, here we go. A little Taz Hall action. Jump right back into the game over here. All right, so we got Craigie underscore F. Why do they call him Crying Brian? Hashtag RTG, hashtag The Taz Show, hashtag Waterbreak Jones. Well, that's uh, Brian Corson, the producer of The Taz Show. Uh, we call him Crying Brian because when the show was daily, every day, um, you know, every morning, 7 a.m. Eastern for two hours in Midtown Manhattan, New York City, Jones. Brian would work the show a lot of times from far, behind the scenes, or sometimes on camera. And he did not want to be on camera. He had to be on mic. He's backstage Jones. He just he's back behind the curtain. That's his gimmick. And I used to get him on camera, and he didn't want to be there. And I'm like, oh, he's crying. Crying Brian. It just kind of stuck. It's not really a great fucking story, but it's a true story. But it's all right. Wolfgang.gladder. Ah, I'm talking about old school Taz show. Wolfie, my friend from Germany, he says, no question, but a huge thank you for over 700 episodes. I'm happy for every opportunity you get. Like hashtag Taz and the Moose show back then. Even it ended the daily hashtag the Taz show. And now maybe uh, with the Fox show. Oh, whoa, whoa, Fox show. Hold on a second. I understand. This is the whole scuttlebutt of ah, Taz might be doing stuff on the, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too sure. We'll see what happens to that. Uh, anyway, uh, what else we got here? The number one cone man, con man, con man. Well, I can't fucking read. It's tough. You know, when you try to read people's, um, you know, their, their uh, fucking social media names, it's, uh, there's no, like, commas and dashes and shit, you know, once in a while an underscore, which I normally hate. But now I see this is the number one con man underscore. Probably a pretty good name right there. How good in your eyes was William Regal as a performer, personally, he is one of my all-time favorites. Great skill set, excellent on the mic, etc. The man had it all. Thanks for the free lunch. Hashtag RTG. Hashtag first time, long time. Oh no, Regal's the man. I, I know. I knew William Regal a long time. Uh, you know, before we were in WWE together. Um, I knew him uh, years ago. Uh, shit, I think the first time I met him was in met him was in Georgia when I was getting tryouts, like on the house shows, when Bill Watts was the booker of. The NWA or WCW, like way back before the Monday Night Wars. I think it was just called NWA then. That was that transitional period. I always get confused what the fuck it was called. But And I remember that's the first time I met Rob Van Dam. Rob was there too. 
and Regal was working on some of the shows too. We were all like younger guys, obviously on the come up. And then I remember, oh, geez, ECW was going pretty good then. And we were in Marietta, Georgia. And William Regal came to the show. And, uh, you know, just, just, this is again before any of his success that he's had, you know. So trying, you know, you're trying to see if there was any future possibilities and stuff. That was a long time ago. And then that's how long I know him. And then, of course, you know, all the years together, you know, working in the company. But, uh, no, he's a tremendous, uh, tremendous wrestler, tremendous performer, um, you know, Blackpool Jones. You know, he's got the English accent, the whole gimmick, right? So he's he can talk, he can work, uh, catch-style wrestling, you know, excellent with holds. Obviously, any type of hold you want to work with. And that's, you know, he's, he's good friends with Triple H for a long time. And so he basically is someone who, but also paid his dues. Um, and I'm assuming him and Triple H must have became friends when Triple H worked that short run down there in the NWA, WCW as Terror Rising. So I guess, I'm assuming that's when they first met. I assume that. And they became buddies, which is cool. But Regal has a lot to do with stuff that goes on in that performance center down in Orlando, along with Matt Bloom, obviously, and uh, and the other guys that work there. And Regal's the right guy. You know, Regal knows his shit. I'm a big fan of him personally and professionally. He's a good guy. Um, like I said, I know him a long time. I respect him. I'll always respect him. And, and I, you know, and we work with each other. Um, yeah, I have nothing. There's nothing negative to say about him. He's, he's just a solid man and, and a hell of a worker who paid his dues, who came up the right way, and he's doing well working for WWE. And um, I think they have the performance. They have a performance center in the UK too, and I think William Regal's behind that also with, with the WWE. So, which is great. He deserves all his opportunities. The guy earned it. You know what I mean? Um, guy earned it. So it's no, I respect him for sure. He's a good dude. Bobby Peterson won. Would you rather wrestle on TV in a studio in front of a hundred people, or in a non-televised match, non-televised match in front of ten thousand people, like at a house show? I guess he means. Ah, uh, well, during ECW, like one of my big things, once we started to really get get over the company, got over, and I started getting over. I, that that was my one of my reasons why I wanted to leave ECW. I wanted to work in front of bigger houses and make more money. <laughs> you know. Crazy me. What are you fucking nuts? You want to make more money? But I just wanted to work in front of, I wanted to be able to take a shower if I worked. I wanted to be able to not put my bag down and have to worry about a mouse or a roach crawling into my bag. And I'm not even fucking kidding. Like some of the shit boxes that we would work in years ago, you know? So you're in a bigger, fancier building, you know, there's less chance of roaches and rats, even though they have them. But. <laughs> I'm not trying to get into you know, rodent control here. But anyway, look, uh, no, I, I get your question. In front of 100 people in a TV studio, it's more intimate for sure, and I think you got to bring more crispness to your work. In front of 10,000 people in a big building, you still have to be crisp in the ring, but it doesn't feel like the people are on top of you. I feel like, honestly, I feel like for me, there's less pressure in front of more people. Um, I'm, I'm good with either. I've wrestled in front of both 100 people in a studio uh, many times, either wherever, or, you know, Memphis, or like I just said, for WCW or NWA uh, in Atlanta, uh, several times. Um, Memphis, you know, I said Memphis, uh, Smoky Mountain, I think I did too. So, I mean, like I, I, the studio style stuff. Um, I like that. I do. I like that. I mean, but I've always prided myself on being a pretty physical worker and wanted my opponent to be physical back with me. So that didn't bother me. Um, 
sometimes in a big house when there's a ton of people, it's just you kind of, you know, you kind of feel like you're a little ant in this giant sea of humanity, as the cliche goes. It's a little bit of a different feeling. You know, it is. Um, I don't know. I guess I wanted the big buildings with, with more people. And then once I got it, I'm like, ah, I kind of miss the small intimate buildings, you know. So grass is always greener on the other side, as the expression goes, right? Lance underscore star underscore Lord underscore Burke. I feel like you just asked the question, bro. Did you make it through the ring twice? I got to talk to fucking Brian and uh, Pat. Give me uh, no Pat. Uh, the best what we got. He's back in the fold. Apparently you guys remember him. He's the man. Uh, what was your favorite part of being a coach on tough enough? Hashtag verify task. Hashtag. It was a work. Hmm. How about that? Hashtag blue check Mark city. Uh, it was a work. What was a work? Tough enough was a work? My, the way I acted on tough enough was a work? I don't know about that either. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, brother? <laughs> what do you mean? Why it was a work, but whatever. I guess you know more than me um, <laughs> I don't, as far as this topic. Um, yeah, my favorite part about being a coach on tough enough was getting the opportunity to really show my personality uh, as far as the task character, because I brought a lot of that into my training style. I enjoyed that time, but it was also frustrating because I really couldn't get down and nitty gritty and get down and dirty and train people because they just, they wanted me as more of a character along with being a trainer. And it just wasn't, I wanted more than that, you know, and, and now Stone and I butted heads a lot because his style was different than mine. No knocking out, Al and I are friends for a long time. So just we differed on a lot of different things. And I think it made it for good TV at times. But um, like I've said in the past, they, have, they didn't even show a lot of that. But B-Boo 2, what was it like watching Jay Lethal impersonate Ric Flair in the classic segment from TNA? Still kills me. It was very funny. It was very funny. And uh, we knew that was going to go down. But just watching it live was like, I, I, you know. I didn't want to say anything, but they wanted me dipping it out and stuff. I, I can't remember what I said. It was it feels like it was so long ago. But no, Jay Leith was a funny son of a bitch, and Rick was totally down with the whole thing. Rick, Rick got the whole bit. He understood. He was cool with it, and they, everybody was so respectful of Rick. Obviously, obviously, Jay Lethal was. No, it was yeah. No, it was totally. It, it was great. It was definitely very, very funny shit. No doubt about it. Nuke the Cross sixty nine. Is there any chance of you doing a sporadic podcast with? Conrad Thompson, he's tagged. He tags Comrade. Tremendous. Uh, would be a fascinated to hear some of your stories. Hashtag Taz is the man. Hashtag we over. Hashtag buy a hat. Uh, Conrad Jones. Yes. The king of podcasting in the wrestling realm. He's got podcasts with everyone. Oh, my God. Conrad is over. We love Conrad. He's the best. Starcast. Oh. Yeah, no, I like, I like him. I do like Conrad. He's my friend. We started off the relationship very rough, as you guys know. That wasn't his fault. That was my fault. But, yeah, there's a chance we could definitely do something together. There, To be honest with you, maybe that's breaking news. Maybe it's not. But there's definitely a chance we could maybe record a podcast or two. You never know. That could happen. That definitely could happen. How about that? Kind of breaking news right there. Mets. Right there, I'm depressed. Just hearing Mets. I guess sad. Mets underscore fan underscore for life. Seeing a combination of Tully and Spears at All Out, um, do you think we may see the return of managers in wrestling? Hashtag RTG, hashtag I bought a hat. Okay. I mean, I bought a shirt. He says, okay, here's the thing. This is the thing I want to talk about here. 
to answer your question, the short answer, yes. I do think you could see the return of managers in AEW. I could see that. Now, I know they knew when I said return of managers. I just meant I think that they are going to be savvy enough and smart enough to bring managers back to wrestling, okay? I do, and they're doing that with Tully Blanchard. I could see a couple other folks being managers too, and I think it's great. WWE, different story, okay? They want to do everything except call people managers. Paul Heyman's an advocate. He's a manager. He was the manager of Brock Lesnar for a long time. Stop. You could say advocate. You could put any kind of name on it, any adjective you want to make it feel different. It got over the the advocate thing, but it's still a manager. Let's be honest. It sounds trite, but I'm being blunt. It's honest, you know. Um, you're seeing stuff they're doing with, with Nakamura, you know, uh, with uh, Sami Zayn Jones. You know, look, he's kind of managing, but he's still working. And he's so over the top, Sandy Zane almost takes away from Nakamura, and it's like on the mic. He's supposed to be annoying. He's a heel, but it's like, you know, he's doing the dance. It's like he's trying to just be the loudest guy in the room, and it just, it's just killing me a little bit, to be honest with you. It's killing Nakamura a little bit. I'm not crazy about it. A manager is supposed to just accentuate the guy or girl he's managing but not take the spotlight. But that's not your question. So I think I answered your question. Now, this is what it sparks me to talk about real quick here. Sort of thing on one of the Twitter accounts. I can't remember the guy's name. One guy's that posts a lot of old WWF stuff. And they showed a thing. And I remember this match. Randy Savage, the, the late, great macho man Randy Savage, when he debuted in WWF, he did not have Elizabeth with him. He did not have a manager. And they had all the managers were coming out, like sprinkling out into the arena to scout him and to watch him no matter if it was Jimmy Hart and, and Bobby Heenan and whatever, Lou Albano, Jimmy Valiant, whoever, whoever was there. I'm, I'm not looking at the list, but God, I remember that. And then I saw this tweet. I'm like, holy shit, I remember that. That was great. That that gets over the talent so much. That helped get Randy Savage over even more in his first match. That was so smart of Vince and whoever else I did. It was Vince McMahon, I guess, Pat Patterson, whoever's idea that was. That was a great idea to have these managers come out and scout him as he's working. It shows how back then, how important the managers were because they would get over the current talent. Now, the story ends up that none of those men were managing, and none of them ended up managing Randy. It was Elizabeth. He brought Elizabeth that, that she can't, ended up coming out, and that's who was his valet manager, whatever. So my point, though, is about the managers, man. It's so important. And it was so important, you know, but it's, it, it, I feel like in wrestling today, especially I think WWE leads the charge of this, they try to be so sophisticated and so new age and so different. And, and, and I, I love innovative. I love being different, but I got to say the manager thing works. Okay. It works. I mean, when we saw Leo uh, managing um, Bobby Lashley, it helped. It helped Bobby. Bobby needs that. Bobby needs a manager. He's not the greatest guy on the mic. He's not, let's be honest. And a guy like Leo Rush helped him. You know, it did. It helped him get heat. Little tiny guy next to big giant Bobby Lashley. You know, it was good shit. I mean, it worked. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm not saying every guy or girl should have a manager, but I got to say, I do think that bringing back managers into pro wrestling is very, very important. If you don't know what I'm talking about, about that Randy Savage thing, go find it online. You can find it, you know, and next time I'm out here, maybe this week, maybe I'll get that guy's Twitter handle and shout him out. Um, who posts a lot of the old school stuff, uh, whoever that, whatever account that is, you know, I'll fucking shout them. I put everybody over. That's my gimmick. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Jay Bruno 101. Should fans care 
about which Wednesday night show gets higher ratings, hashtag RTG. That means running the game, by the way. That's me. Well, so what Jay Bruno 101's mentioning is NXT or AEW. Should fans care? He put fans in all caps. No. My uh, honest feeling on that is no. Fans shouldn't care. Um, you shouldn't care. You should just watch whatever you want to watch, whichever show you enjoy more, or flip back and forth, whatever. So if if NXT is getting a higher rating, that means you have to watch them. Well, don't be a follower. Be your own person. That's what I'm saying. So just watch what you want to watch. I don't. The ratings shouldn't give a shit. You shouldn't give a shit about ratings. It shouldn't matter. You know, for, as far as what you pull in for your, your programming, no matter what that is. But yeah, so I would just watch what you want to watch, or watch both. Ah, the Chan Man. Yes. Uh, what do you think of Jackson and Jack called out for their racism on Big Brother finale? They got they got great edits on CBS, but live feeders know the truth. Verify Taz at Instagram. Yes. Hashtag thanks Taz. I I know exactly what you're talking about, Chan Man. I saw a lot of live feed Jones throughout the season, throughout the summer. You know, um. First off, if memory serves me, when Jack, I might have said it on a podcast, when Jack got evicted way back, you know, weeks upon weeks ago, Big Jack Beater Jones, when he got evicted, he he was blindsided, you know, uh, once he got out on stage there with Julie Chan, she 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 blind she blindsided him with those questions. He didn't expect that, you know. And when Jackson won, the he won, you know, had he won. Um, I'm sorry, the Big Brother actually won the half million dollars. Man, you could see how upset this kid was. He was upset before he even walked out of the house, like with the questioning from um, the former house guests and stuff when they were going at them and talking to them. It was throwing him for a loop. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm just being blunt. I, I don't I, – if there's definitely racism there, which I didn't watch the live feeds like nonstop, then there's no place for that, obviously, okay? Uh, no place at all. But what I'm saying is I don't think – blindsiding people on live TV that are not actors or professionals. They're just regular guys and girls trying to be on a reality show. I don't think that's good either. I, that's crash TV. I, I don't think that's good. I, I think that's more of a, you know, CYA type deal in my opinion. Uh, so leave it at that. You know what I'm saying? But good question, Chan. Gustaviaro, 80, underscore 87. Uh, how do you think AWEVPs will do as executives? Everyone knows there's there's some of the best in-ring talents, but as executives, they have made some questionable decisions. For example, Cody taking a chair shot to the head, or Omega complaining about WWE counter-programming against Fight for the Fallen, amongst other things. Okay, good question. Here's what you have to understand. Okay, uh, these guys have never been executives before. So let them get their sea legs under them. As time goes on, they will do better, better jobs. At these, these guys are elite pro wrestlers, no pun intended. These guys all are, as you put it yourself, these guys are legit workers, for some of the best in the world that are in charge of the company. But they've never been executives. They're going to make some bad decisions. That's going to happen. They, they knew it. They've never had a role like this. None of them. Not the Bucks, not, not Cody, uh, not, not Omega, none of them. None of them. And if I was there as an EVP, I'd be one of them too. That never had experience as an EVP or an executive. You're a wrestler, so they're they're, they're smart guys, though. They're intelligent guys that are professionals, and they're learning every day how to be executives. So I do think give them time, they'll do a better job at it. I do, but I get I understand what you're saying, but they're honest, and sometimes the honesty is not good because then people attack them and blah 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 blah. They'll be better at being executives every week. I bet you they're all getting better and better. 
I don't think a guy as smart as Tony Khan, as wealthy as Tony Khan, <laughs> is going to put people in positions to fail. He understands that they got to get their sea legs under them. So I would say give it a little time. But I get your point. Jeff Buta, Taz, I remember you saying you were in L.A. doing some business. Were you auditioning for WWE FS1, Fox Sports 1 show? Hashtag Taz on Fox Jones. Hashtag StarCast. Whoa, StarCast 4? Whoa, easy. What's that? Whoa, whoa. Um, here's the thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I mentioned on the last podcast. Yeah, I was out there. Yeah, I was out there. They, they, Fox flew me out there twice this summer. Went back there, boom, boom, boom. Went the first time. Hey, come on back, son. All right, I'll go back again. You know, so they treated me great. They treated me good. They did, and and um, we'll see uh, what happens. I, I, you know, it's they do that in L.A. I'm in New York, you know, and uh, I'm not sure what I want to do. To be honest with you, um, everything's got to work out the right way. I'm not really sure. To be honest, I can't give too much more information than that. Uh, Billy Saunders underscore, do wrestlers need to get permission to name certain moves or do they just tell the announcers what move will be what the move will be called? Hashtag over in England. <laughs> yeah, I used to say that to my UK friends. Yeah, you do. Uh, if you're speaking on WWE, uh, I could speak on that as an expert at it, as a wrestler and as a broadcaster. Yeah, you can't just say, hey, my new move is going to be called the cock smasher. You can't do that. You know, you just can't do that. And the announcer goes, oh, okay, got it. Let me write that down. Uh, smasher. No, that, that's the way it works. It's got to be cleared what the front office and, um, you know, it has to also, you know, legal has to clear it, to be honest. They have to see if there's any kind of trademarks on things or whatever, and they have to make sure they could use it. So it's not just, I call it this. Uh, so you do have to get permission. Yeah. Years ago, years, years ago, it wasn't like that, but things have obviously changed over time. The bigger business gets, the more that that is going to happen. So. Uh, Gil underscore Dones, uh, who do you think will win the ratings war at first, NXT or AW? Hashtag Waterbreak Jones, verify IG through settings. Easy, LOL. Oh, uh, no, no. First of all, Gil, my uh, social media guy showed me that gimmick you're talking about. It doesn't work that easy. You know, you could send in all that shit and what they actually to get verified. It's not like, oh, this person wants to be verified on. Oh, you got it. You're IG. You're, you're verified. It doesn't work like that. OK, uh, they did that for my account like two times. That, that Just imagine how many like Facebook owns Instagram. Imagine how many people every day, thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people every day going at little thing in settings and do what you're telling me to do. What do you think? I'm a fucking knucklehead, bro. You think I don't, I don't know about that? My people, I got teams of people that work for me. Fucking teams of people around me right now staring at me. Taz, what do you need? What do you want? Taz, what do you want? You want an apple? You want an orange? You want a banana? What do you want? You want yogurt? What do you need? You want a ham sandwich? Turkey? What are you looking for? You want us to get you verified? Yeah, it's not that easy, bro. It's not that easy. It doesn't work that easy. I'm way ahead of you. I promise you. Who's your question? Oh, the ratings war. Who's going to win NXT AEW? I don't know. I, I would think at first, I think the, the pattern set for NXT to get a higher number, and I've talked about this a lot. It, listen, first off, the thing that jumps out first is they're already live. NXT is NXT is on Wednesdays on USA two weeks already in a row, one hour each week. They're, so they're already setting that table. And it's also the infrastructure is in within USA programming that they cover WWE and pro wrestling programming. So fans, casual fans know that it's there. They're learning rapidly because Raw and SmackDown is pumping and pushing the shit out of it. So that's going to put... You know, of course, as far as the numbers, which I don't get hung up in the ratings, that's going to put AEW at a disadvantage if you're comparing the two. That's why I always say AEW, in my opinion, don't need to com don't need to compete with anyone except for themselves. AEW should compete with AEW. I'm not getting hung up in the ratings thing. Not that's just not my shtick. I don't I don't believe in that. Uh, 
MCL 298. Uh, how did you become a Buffalo Bills fan? Oh, the Jets fucked me over. That's how. New York Jets. I was a Jet fan for life, and then that ended because they left New York. They did everything. They used to train over at Hofstra on Long Island. That was the last thing. They were practicing and playing in New Jersey, but yet they were training at Hofstra University, which is on Long Island. And I remember when my son was young. We used to, I used to bring him over to the camp and watch. And once they left Hofstra and they did everything in Jersey, I'm like, why the fuck am I loyal to these guys? They, the, the front office sucks at the way they run the company, they run, run the team, and I'm miserable every year, and they pulled out, and they're all in Jersey. Fuck this. I'm going to root for the only New York team, and that's the Buffalo Bills. That's how. RC737, can you pull back the curtain and tell us how heavy the rinse decks are? Hashtag got to keep trying. Hashtag verify task. Hashtag thank you. You're welcome. And for people that keep asking the questions and your question don't get answered, I apologize. We get a lot of questions. So please be patient. Don't come at me. Okay. So uh, the ring steps, well, back in the day, they were fucking heavy as shit. You know, they were heavy. I mean, I, to give you an example, what they, is it the same weight as a fucking a, a spare tire? I don't know. Is it is it 70 pounds, 40, 60, 150 pounds? I, I can't give you a number. I never fucking weighed them. But, you know, they were they were pretty heavy. They were probably a good, you know, solid, you know, 45 dense pounds, 50 pounds. Now I think they're lighter. It looks like they're made of uh, like a lighter, thinner, like not aluminum. What's that real lightweight like uh, metal? Not Kevlar. There's some kind of a. Uh, whatever the fuck it's called, it's strong but it's light. That's probably what it's made of, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they were pretty heavy, but you know, I don't know the exact weight. I gotta be honest. I don't know. I wasn't a big throwing the stairs guy in WWE. That wasn't my thing. Hope I answered that for you. JJM Sports Tax. That's me. Tax as opposed to Taz. Typo Jones. Big fan of you in a moniker of Fields. Personally loved your 97-98 run, one of my favorite in the business. That big fight feel, another thing I created. Yeah, poot, toot my own horn, toot, toot, bitches. You brought, well, that big fight feel you brought to the ring was rarely replicated by, uh, by somebody like maybe perhaps Brock Lesnar. Um, what do companies need to do to bring such an aura when building future stars? Hashtag Tassel Jones, hashtag RTG, hashtag we over, hashtag verify Taz at Instagram again. Um, great question. And I appreciate the compliment. That's the other thing. Uh, look at, okay, look at here. Is thing, right? So, like when I cut my promos and back in the day, you know, and, and to bring that big five feel and to really make it super personal with my opponent, I didn't have to say insulting things like about them or inside Jones, none of that stuff. I pride myself back then is how realistic I could bring out the character and how realistic I can make in my brain to come out of my brain into my eyes so you people could see it, which verbally I would I would bring it out too that I was going to destroy somebody and I really hated them a lot and I really wanted to hurt them badly and I was going to do it at said arena on said date. You have to believe it. You can't play wrestler. You can't have someone tell you what to say if it's not in you internally and you can't exemplify it verbally and, and optically with your eyes and facially, then you just you can't do it. It's just that simple. It's just not going to happen. So, but good question, you know. Um, anyway, 
uh, STV GRZ uh, ten twenty four. How do you feel about Comrade and Bruce doing uh, doing a whole STW? I guess that's something wrestles STWW episode about you. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Oh, I'd be flattered. Hope they boys put me over. That'd be great. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else we got? Let's see. We got uh, Satellite Cowboy um, Taz. Which commonly used wrestling weapon hurts the most to be hit with? Hashtag first time, long time, hashtag HOV, hashtag Waterbreak Jones. Well, um, what hurts the most? I would have to say it's probably a steel chair. It would sting like a bitch and hurt, not just in the head, in the back, the body. You know, frankly, you're seeing steel chairs uh, used so much uh, in pro in WWE. Let's stick on WWE. You're seeing it used so much. And I got to be honest, I hate to be a douche, but I, I, I hate to be this guy, but I don't think they're the same steel chairs that most of us were using back in the day. I feel like these things are lighter weight. We're seeing a lot of steel chairs being swung, not in the head, but in the body, and it still hurt like a motherfucker. They were a lot, they were heavy and they were metal, heavy metal. I feel like these are a little bit of a thinner weight. I feel like these are customized chairs for these. I never thought I'd imply that there's gimmick chairs in the business, but that was the question I was always asked years ago. Are those chairs really getting hit with? And I would say, yeah, because they were. Now, uh, WWE chairs, I'm not sure. All right, guys, look, I appreciate you downloading. If you're not subscribed to the show, you should be subscribing. I'm Taz, you're not. Thank you, guys. I'll be at you during the week with an AEW React. See ya. Get a whole new perspective on Ram 1500 and Ram Heavy Duty. Motor Trend's back-to-back truck of the year at the Ram Start Something New sales event. Now during Owner Appreciation Month, financing at $11,250 in total values on the 2019 Ram 1500 Classic Bighorn Crew Cab. Hurry in for great deals during the Ram Start Something New sales event. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Package values based on combined value of package items. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery from dealer stock by 2-3-2020.